Welcome back to The Lounge. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce Jen Bailey of Om Healing. Welcome to The Lounge, Jen. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. It's great to hear from you. And it's always great to learn about the different things out there to improve our well-being, because it really isn't one size fits all. So tell me, please, a little bit more about Om Healing. Great. I know I couldn't agree more as well. Um, sure. So Om Healing, it's an Ayurvedic acupuncture and holistic healing clinic that I run from my home in Yardley Gobian in the Northamptonshire countryside. Um, I should probably explain what Ayurveda and Ayurvedic acupuncture actually is first. So um, Ayurveda is really the mother of all healing systems um, originating from ancient India. It's one of the world's oldest holistic or um, whole body healing systems. And its fundamental philosophy is based on the belief that health and wellness depend on a delicate balance of mind, body and spirit. Now, Ayurvedic acupuncture, also known as marmapuncture, which is what I practice, is an ancient pillar of Ayurvedic medicine. So marma is from the Sanskrit marmani, which translates to specific points on the body where life energy or prana or in traditional Chinese medicine, chi, is concentrated. Um, and mama puncture uses the chakra system as a map for these mama sites on the body and then puncture as in to pierce through. So mama puncture is the use of needles to stimulate specific combinations of these points, which are then tailored to the individual subject to their unique needs and constitutional makeup, really. And, and this all promotes balance and healing in the body, mind and spirit. Um, it actually does predate uh, traditional Chinese acupuncture. There are some sacred texts dating back over 3000 years that reference this form of healing. So it's very, very old. <laughs> um, so at the clinic, I practice marmapuncture along with herbal medicine to create a bespoke treatment plan for healing of all sorts. Um, arthritis, ulcerative colitis, fertility, depression, sciatica, stress, dementia, you name it. Um, and I suppose the intention behind the clinic was really to create a safe space for healing that felt accessible, but also empowering. So anybody experiencing any form of physical, mental, or even spiritual suffering can rebalance and get back in control of their symptoms and not feel victimized or limited by their conditions. I think so so many of us have come to accept that any sort of pain in the mind and body is something that we have to live with. And it's not, you know, we don't have to live with these restrictions. We can, though, learn from them and heal. I think that's beautiful. And that really links so much. I know a lot of words like om and, and the Sanskrit, it feeds into mindfulness, which a lot of us have a familiarity with, perhaps less with Ayurvedic the Ayurvedic approach yes. um, and I, I think it's a beautiful way to blend that and it almost makes it very culturally accessible as well which I think sometimes western medicine isn't I, I, I mean I've spoken to people before just simply where having a Chinese client for example coming mm -hmm. in and sitting face to face and being told tell me about your problems it doesn't work well for them it doesn't suit them and so do yeah. you find that this is 
this approach really kind of helps break down a few of those cultural barriers as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned the actual words om and om healing. So om is, it's the, from the Buddhist text, it's the seed of transcendental sound. And it's through that transcendental sound that one can uh, transform the mind and the senses. And that's universal, you know, and I think no matter what culture you're, you reside from, each and every one of us is we we all want to transform we all want to have this phoenix moment right and I think that's relatable for everybody because we all deal with struggle we all deal with pain um and having a space in which you can do that in a way that feels like it's connecting you to your own authenticity is translatable across borders across cultures across communities yeah I think that that is important it's really important to have those those options and sort of related to that it mm. seems you have um a tea ceremony with mama puncture and yes. and I love this because even in the western world and I know that's almost something it feels like we appropriated yes. <laughs> but tea <laughs> has so many benefits but yes. the ritual of even us making a cup of tea it's that whole idea of tea and sympathy you you've mm. also got to take a moment out of your day to boil the kettle to brew the tea mm. and then tea itself has so many benefits I really love that blending of the two things. So can you tell me a bit more about this particular wellbeing ritual? Because it's just beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, um, I mean, as you've said, like the benefits of tea for health and well-being, it's been well researched, documented, and utilized for centuries, you know. Um, green tea, for example, is exceptionally high in flavonoids, which boosts heart health, lowering cholesterol, reducing blood clotting. Oolong contains L-theanine, which is an amino acid that reduces anxiety and increases alertness and attention. Uh, um, attention. Um, I think, yeah, studies have actually found that L-theanine can prevent even cognitive diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Hibiscus improves liver health. Peppermint contains menthol, soothes upset stomachs. You know, the list goes on and on. But aside, I would say, aside from the medicinal benefits of tea, the actual process of brewing and then sipping tea is an exceptionally mindful exercise, yeah. which can lead to a very powerful psychological impact on our well-being and health. Just taking the time to sit with a cuppa away from the distractions of the world, committing the next 10, 15 minutes away from the media and Instagram, just to be peaceful, focusing purely and simply on that transitory moment of serving and drinking tea. So that's the philosophy behind the tea ceremony. So I'll make up a tailored blend of herbs to suit the individual um, and their symptoms being treated. And the tea will then be poured and this will be drunk mindfully in a space of calm and meditation. And then following the tea, the client will then receive marma puncture to deepen the healing experience. Sometimes the teas will be purely herbal. Sometimes they'll be mushroom based. It really depends on the individual's needs. That's lovely because that is also something which you can take back away from the session because I I mean I would find it very difficult to think how can I recreate acupuncture or <laughs> something like that on myself but I could take away a tea ritual and be able to practice that whenever I had the course to have a cup of tea you know that's fantastic absolutely and that's very much a part of any treatment that I I, that I prescribe it's it's not just coming into the clinic and having the mama puncture it's it's empowering people and equipping people with the tools that they need to continue the healing at home. And it's really when 
an individual feels that they have finally taken control of their own healing, that real root change starts to happen. Things yes. start to shift, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is true, no matter where anyone comes from in terms of their school of thinking, I think we're all wanting the same outcome. And it's really important for us to be open to this because there's no point being very much, oh, this is the only way of doing things because every single school of thought has got its critics. Every single school of thought has got its, its issues, its problems, its people who love it as well. And, but as we said, right at the start, one size doesn't fit all. You also have a specialism in foraging. Now I love this because this is something that I came to recently because I know in the Milton Keynes area, they're always running foraging classes Mm. Because it's not the same as just going out and picking some berries <laughs> or something like that, is it? Um, can you tell me a little bit more about not just how, of course, getting out in nature helps us, but uh, how foraging itself can really give us that sense of wellness when we can find and then cook and then eat what's in the ground, which is so good for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll answer this in in two parts, yeah. if that's okay. So, I mean... When we talk about holistic health, we're really addressing every aspect of a person's life, right? So we're looking at their lifestyle, their diet, and of course, their environments, which play such an important part of our sense of wellness and health. You know, working in an office with harsh overhead lighting, lots of noise, or spending a long time in front of a screen, or even if you're not working and are just residing in a in a cluttered house, which I can definitely relate to having a nearly three-year-old daughter and a dog and chickens. Um, I mean, all of this influences our cortisol levels leading to stress um, and a whole host of other related conditions. And there are many studies that now tell us that people living within natural environments and green spaces or people that get out into those spaces are less likely to fall ill from things like depression. Um, And yeah, that natural green areas actually help the recovery from conditions like chronic stress. So if you couple the benefits of getting outside with the concept of also gaining from nature's free larder, it's really a win-win situation. I mean, I've been, my dad has always been a keen forager of fungi. So I've been foraging my entire life. And it's honestly like a never-ending treasure hunt, you know, Um, the joy of just being able to walk through the countryside around my house while simultaneously feasting and collecting off the abundance of plants and mushrooms available to us, it it evokes a pleasure in all of the senses. And no matter what the weather's doing or whether you're country-based or living in the city, every season has something to offer. In fact, um, I, I did live in London for quite a long time. And I remember walking home from the station after work. And by the time I'd reached home, my arms would just be laden with elderberries and mulberries picked off the side of the path that would oh. be bought up for jams at the weekend, which transformed the end of my working day as well. You know, yes. it enabled me to step away from the office, leave work behind that old saying and connect with something, um, which kind of brings me to the second point, which is I think that foraging it enriches our relationship with the natural world. And this relationship is a real, it's a real ancestral one. I think as a species, humans have been doing this since the dawn of our existence. And it triggers this primal joy and curiosity for the world we live in. 
I actually see this already in my young daughter who already has such a beautiful relationship with nature. She's, you know, munching on nettle seeds and fennel as she runs full throttle into a patch of wild garlic. Um, I don't think there's actually been a single day over the last two weeks where her face hasn't been stained with blackberries and damsons, you know. Um, But I mean, finally, it's all free. Why wouldn't you get your salts and vitamins and minerals as well as waking up all your taste buds for zero cost? Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're foraging respectfully and never take more than you need, always leave enough as to not disturb the environmental balance. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that relationship with nature is just so beautiful. This is a slight digression of a question, but this mm. is something that I think is concerning all of us right now, that there is this overdevelopment of buildings and other man-made structures and things that are are really affecting the, the natural world. I, I mean, what... This is this is probably just unfair of me to throw it out there, but <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on that kind of almost disruption of that beautiful relationship yes I mean there's a lot to be said for all sorts of advancements like technological advancements new buildings you know all of that kind of thing they 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 bring um, an immediacy um to our world which is uh something that we now rely on as a, a bit of a pillar really and that's important. We've been able to be more efficient in what we do because of it. You know, we we um, the, our, our results have have greater data behind them, so they're they're more accurate and more targeted. But um, I think that immediacy has seeped into every part of then how we interact yeah. with people, with our phones, with with everything, and it takes us away from being present. And it's only when we're in a state of presence that we can actually experience joy or as Buddhists would say, you know, that's the start of enlightenment. It's, it's, it's the beginnings of feeling connected and grounded to the world around you. And uh, that grounding can only provide you with stability for whatever issues that you're dealing with. Yes. If, if that answers the question. That really does. <laughs> it does. And I think your point about immediacy is so true because that mm. then seeps in and that's why we don't, know even how to be mindful and I'm thinking about sometimes when I'm having a cup of tea I'm not practicing a ritual I'm scrolling on my phone I'm doing something else and that (laughs) takes away that one moment I could have had to to actually get away from things and come back refreshed and more able to deal with whatever's going on that's it and it's it's a real issue because it's so addictive it's really hard to put that phone down and to just take a moment but I mean, I would urge, we, we actually have, um, so after dinner, we have like no screen policy after dinner and we'll always get outside. So if, after your main evening meal, I just encourage everybody just to step outside, even if it's just for a couple of minutes and just breathe, just breathe in some fresh air and just connect and be present and just notice what's around you. Um, yeah, it's it's a staple in our house. And yeah, it- that that's a very very important practice. And again, as you say, it's it's free. Yes. But so now, if we've inspired somebody to try foraging, yes. it's not quite the same as you don't just walk around and pick up every berry. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, does it? What's the etiquette, and what do we need to be a little bit more mindful of? And Maybe this is another question I'm throwing out there, and maybe should we get some support before we start? Sort of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Of course, there are um, in existence plants and fungi that can cause stomach upsets and sometimes worse. Um, but this, it, I mean, it's it's easily avoidable. What I would say to anybody that wants to start is begin with the easy to identify stuff. You know, well-known fruits and nuts from trees and hedgerows, mushrooms even, like the giant puffball, which could not be mistaken for anything else and is also delicious. And they're in season right now and they're wonderful. Um, I mean, it's perfectly normal to have a respectful cautiousness over anything we're putting into our system, but this shouldn't stop you from, from getting outside and seeing what's available. And the more that you do it, the more your confidence will grow, especially with mushrooms, because they can be slightly tricky. Um, but if you're able to correctly identify something, um, then you'll know next year when it comes back up again, ah, I know that one now. And that will just continue evolving your knowledge. Um, I mean, actually, a herbalist friend I met on an organized uh, foraging walk earlier this year gave me this great line, and it was, don't munch on a hunch. So if it looks like something you can eat, but you're not quite sure, bring it home to identify, refer to a book, ask someone in the know until you're confident of what it is. That's that's great advice. And also where we're going foraging, again, it's not a case of stealing other people's blackberries. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, I can't deny that I haven't been, um, I, I haven't conducted a little bit of scrumping uh, apples. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I mean, there's there's so much outside. And as I said, it doesn't matter if you're country based or in the city. There, there is, there is, every season has something to offer and there will be an abundance of it. You just need to start interacting, start being present and noticing what's in your environments. And as I said from the start, I'm very much an advocate of all aspects of healing. And and I think complementary and I think third wave therapies are a huge part of that because things like NLP, EMDR, all of those different approaches, Mm. it may work for somebody where something else more conventional hasn't what would you say to somebody who was skeptical or very much a stickler for only cbt or only this way of doing things and and they that they are out there my reservation personally is even that hasn't been completely proved either but (laughs) (laughs) yes yes i mean so this uh, is a is a really important question because there there is a lot of misunderstanding and skepticism about so many forms of holistic medicine um i mean we have probably big pharma to blame for a lot of this and the entire infrastructure of our economy, but I'll try and avoid slipping into a political hole. Um, (laughs) What I would say is this, we are each of us the product of a truly unique design of nature and nurture. Not one of us is the same as the other. We have different needs, different desires, diets, tendencies, lifestyles, experiences, and traumas all of which carry a unique influence over the balance of our health and our mind our body and our spirit it's really what makes us human and it's why we dress differently or when we go to a restaurant we order different things Our, our bodies are craving different nutrients to best nourish our organs so why would we consider healing in any other way yeah it has to be holistic how can it possibly be one size fits all I mean, I'll I'll caveat that with, you know, for acute conditions, say if you're having a heart attack, please don't book yourself in to see me for some acupuncture and herbs, get yourself immediately to the hospital. But for other conditions, especially chronic conditions of the mind and body, you know, these symptoms, they manifest in the body for so long uh, and can present as such a wide variety of different symptoms. And sometimes conventional therapies just won't enable the type of root healing that's required. I think if you want 
true, real root healing, you have to address every part of you, look at yourself holistically. So try different therapies and be open to all forms of healing, like mama puncture. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that's, that's really important information to have. Mm. And so now if we're inspired to do that and explore mm. other forms of healing, how do we find a reputable holistic practitioner? I, I mean, we've got things like the um, BACP or the HCPC for for your conventional side of things, but w- how do we find the the, the reputation and the quality? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, referrals are always a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't get a referral, do you know check out the reviews online? I'd say always ensure that the practitioner is certified and insured and also has obtained any relevant licenses for their practice. And then once you've found a practitioner and you like the sound of them, you know, give them a call. Um, They should be more than willing to kind of uh, have a conversation with you and you can see if the relationship sort of feels, feels right. Um, uh, typically, you'd expect to receive some form of some form of um, consent or intake form. So, really, that form is is there to ensure that you understand the treatment and any risks or side effects, and make sure they've been clearly articulated. So, they would be my <laughs> that would be my no, advice. <laughs> that's very helpful, and that actually works the same for coaching. It works the same for counselling. There will be very there'll be sort of individual differences perhaps within that whole process but I you're absolutely right I think that's that's great advice and where can we learn more about you and your work well um so I mean you can visit my website www.omhealing.co.uk which has uh, a host of articles about mama puncture ayurveda and various different conditions it has quite a lot of information about how uh, mama puncture can help with fertility um, as well. I have an Instagram and a TikTok at underscore on healing with um, and that has it's got lots of videos on mama points that you can do at home to help with different health conditions. Like if you've got a migraine or nausea. Um, and as I said before about finding um, somebody reputable. So if you're still unsure, I would always offer a free consultation to discuss your needs and answer any questions you might have. And you can also register your interest for future workshops. So I'll actually be running a series of workshops in collaboration with an incredibly talented and experienced shaman this autumn, focusing on healing ancestral trauma which is a really interesting topic right now as there's there's growing interest in ancestral trauma or intergenerational trauma as it's also known um yeah more and more research is being conducted on how this affects how we think and feel and behave and then the impact this has um in the body i mean when we talk about ancestral trauma we're talking about the psychological damage caused by exposure to traumatic events experienced by previous generations in families communities, cultures, things like war, natural disasters, genocide, slavery, you know, all of these experiences are passed down generation to generation and exist in the soul and in our DNA. So this first workshop, which will take place on the last weekend in October, is called Healing the Witch's Wound, which um, felt apt for the time of year, being Halloween. Um, and there's there's a lot of information online about the witch's wound, but to summarise, it's it's essentially the inherited collective trauma that is rooted from our dark history of the burning times where tens of thousands of innocent women and men were imprisoned and tortured and executed in just the most inhumane and brutal ways. 
And those who escaped execution were then exiled from their communities. They were stripped of their status and really pushed out of their vocations. So our ancestors who survived these dark times carried with them the memory of these events and not just in their minds, but also in their bodies. And it manifests as mental and physical symptoms today. Their fear, their shame, their grief, those survival in instincts, they've, they've all been passed down um, through the ages and it, it lives in our, in our blood and our bones. And it, it even exists on a societal and cultural level, you know, the, the binds of patriarchy, capitalism, imperialism, or any oppressive system that dictates our lifestyles and our professions and our hobbies and our bodies and our hairstyles, you know, they're all restrictive systems of self-expression, which is deemed, you know, is it worthy or acceptable and, and which are not. So part of the experience in this workshop, it involves a tea ceremony, um, working with mushrooms like lion's mane and turkey tail, which can actually help to rewire neural pathways. And that's then followed by a shamanic journey with the aid of marmapuncture. So after drinking the tea, you will lay down in a, a sort of yoga nidra type position with blankets and pillows. And I will administer marmapuncture to access deep rooted spiritual healing. And you'll be taking on a journey to the sound of a shamanic drum um, to find answers and heal on a real root ancestral level. Wow, that sounds absolutely beautiful. In so many ways, it sounds like a lot of the visualizations that you might have in a guided meditation, but you're you're actually doing that. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. I could listen to you for ages. But oh, we, we are out of time now, but thank you so much, Jen. It's been a, such a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And that's all we have time for. But if you'd like to find out more, do go to my website, which is www.draudreyt.com and check out my articles, which give you practical tools to live your best life. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive.